Welcome to Leadership Unlocked, an interview-style podcast providing insights on how to lead people. Proudly brought to you by Human Interactions Australia. Welcome to Leadership Unlocked. Uh, today we've got Greg Niven uh, joining us. He's a, an author. He's written a book called The Leader, the mortar that defines the, uh, defines the leader, and he's writing a few more books, I believe, as well. So welcome a lot, Greg. Great to have you here. Thank you, Craig. Thank you for having me. That's okay. No problems at all. So uh, we do this all the time. You get a chance to pitch. Uh, so I guess you're going to pitch the books, right? Definitely am. I'll try it. my best. Go for it. Tell us a little bit about you as an author. Yeah, thanks, Craig. Uh, look, uh, I guess maybe just go into how I got to this point is I sort of, uh, in uni, started doing a bit on leadership and I started reading some of those um, scholarly articles and I thought, well, I reckon I can have a crack at this. So I started doing one and I actually did about a page or two and I thought, uh, let's have a little bit more of a go. And I sort of wanted to quote myself in my own text, I thought that would be quite cool, why not? It ended up being about 12 to 14 pages and I thought this could become more. I ended up getting to about 50 pages and I said said to myself, what more could I do with this? And I guess it just continued to evolve from there and then I started looking on the internet and talking to people about what it is to write a book, how many words needs to be in a book. So it was quite a bit of an evolution there but from my perspective, um, it's becoming a series now. I guess this is my first book um, and then I'm looking to write about four books on leadership and different styles of leadership and I guess each book sort of develops as it uh, as I start to learn and take on more in my life. But yeah, I guess you know, uh, work full time Monday to Friday, but also on the weekend I spend a bit of time writing some books. Sure, a bit about me. So tell me, what were you studying at uni? Yeah, I did um, a uh, I should know this a degree in uh, business management. Okay, right, and so and it's there where you got this kind of I guess use of a word passion for leadership. Yeah, I, I think it was just before that, actually. I, I did a leadership and management um, program or a diploma, and I actually didn't know the difference between leadership and management. I was like, it's the same thing, right? And sure. I think there's that misnomer that a lot of people think, well, it's, it's the same thing. And I guess I did that and, and learned a lot, of, a lot more about that and then went into my um, de- degree and then started to really put those pieces together and really understand the delineation between the two. Mm, yeah, right. And so then you just, let's write a book, because that's easy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so start with two pages and what is the deal these days how many page, how many words do you have to have to write a book uh, this one was a hundred thousand words and then it dropped down a little bit and then went up and down but it sat around a hundred thousand words but it's 264 264 yeah, two, pages 264 pages yep and I guess probably the, the, the next question is what is what's the next in line are you prepared to tell us what the next three books are yeah definitely I'd, you know I'd love to talk about that I guess look if I just summarize this book really simply this book is called the leader it's about leadership and what i see in leadership and you know it took a lot of uh experience from a lot of books that i've read uh probably read you know two three hundred books um in my short lifetime and and took a lot of that and tried to wrap it up into i guess a more common sense approach um there's a lot of books on leadership so you know i'm not going to say i'm not the only one who's done that but uh, i think it's a different perspective yeah my second book is actually on risk taking but not just saying take risks but also looking at um, you know, what is it is to take a risk and then what's the benefit of that? And their book is actually called The Knife's Edge because there is a certain level of success and failure and you sort of sit on a knife's edge sometimes when you take a big risk, big yeah. reward, sometimes yeah, yeah. low risk, small reward. So sure. there's that. And then the third book is actually called The Way Through. Originally The Way Out, but it sounded a bit melodramatic. So I went to The Way Through, which is really overcoming life's challenges and how you take a spin I guess, you know, look at the difference between, uh, I always like to say, you know, I have a win or I learn. You know, you can say I win or lose, but 
if you take something out of what you've, when you've made a mistake or you failed, then you take that as an opportunity to learn and, and take it to the next step. So mm-hmm. I sort of take that positive approach and put into this book called The Way Through. Mm-hmm. And then my final book in this series is called um, Rise, which is sort of encompassing all three of those books together and putting it into a summary so it's a little bit easier to digest in one go instead of the three. Sure, sure. So in your, in your um, perspective, what, what is the difference between leadership and management? Because that's a... It's an age-old question. Uh, it's um, you know people come up with all sorts of different definitions, I guess. But where where are you at with that one? And you're right. I could say something and someone go, no, nah, no, nah, that's not how it is. But you know that's why it is a subjective sort of point. Um, you know, I look at it actually in in three ways. So I sort of through all the reading I've done, I've looked at you know management, leadership, and there's also another thing called command. So. If you take a very simple approach, I see management as the laws, the guideline, the framework that you operate within. Leadership is the influence and really the desire and passion to get there. And command is actually the legal authority of position. So I guess it's a quite a military version, but command is really the legal um, the legal position to be in a place. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't necessarily mean you're a leader. It just means that you have a position or title and the same in the commercial industry. So you might be, say, a vice president, sure. but are you really a leader? So I sort of try to break it into three zones, which is management, leadership, and command. Interesting. Because you, uh, I know that you've just got into the reserves, the Army Reserves, is that right? Yeah, appointed on the 23rd of August, 2021, and I'm away next year. So for me, this is something I've wanted to do all my life, yeah. um, a sort of different Opportunities came up would stop me going full time, and and now this is sort of the uh, the compromise with my wife, and that's a big part of leadership, I guess, is compromise and finding the right balance. Sure, sure. <laughs> so uh, so that's the army reserve, is that's right, isn't it? Definitely. And uh, and so you start your training, I think March, I think twenty fifth of March. Can't yeah, wait. right. Interesting. Yeah, can't wait. And is that out of VB, out of Victoria Barracks? Is that where you do that? Out of Kapuka. Oh, out of Kapuka. Yeah. And how long are you away for? Uh, five weeks. Wow. Yes. So I'm not, I think full-time is three months. So like, again, that's the compromise with my wife and daughter that five weeks is just enough to be away from home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a, that's going to be an interesting... That's a, a bit of an eye-opener too, I'd imagine. So. Well, I think a, a part of the Army Reserves is, for me, and this might be a part of leadership or just life in general, I sort of looked to the end of my life and said, if I were to look back, what would I regret? Because, you know, I guess, you know... This might sound melodramatic again, but if you're looking on your deathbed, you know, you don't want to look back and look at all the things that you've missed out on as opportunities. So mm. for me, this is something I sort of negotiated with my wife to say, I've always wanted to do it and something I don't want to look back and say, what if or why didn't I try? Yeah. So I always try to look back and say, okay, what is something in my life that may actually become a regret? And if I link that to my values, you know, I have four key values in my life, which I um, say strength, determination, service, and awareness. And if I maybe break that down, you know, strength is sort of passion and, and not just about physical strength, but the passion in my life. Um, determination is really getting through things and life is not always peachy, but it's a roller coaster. There's a good and the bad. So the determination is the ability to, to push through the bad times. Service is really to my family and, and to my country. You know, I, I think I have a debt to owe for how lucky I am in my life and, and where I am and Living in the Shire, I might say, is a pretty good bonus to be as well. A lot of people out there be like, oh, these Shire guys. Yeah. That's what it is. Um, and then um, awareness for me is being aware of myself. You know, um, 
I know I talk too much sometimes or I might do this or I might do that. So awareness is really about sort of keeping yourself in check, but also, you know, knowing who you are in, in the world and being happy with who you are as well. So when you wrote this book, The Leader, you said before you're in a, a nine to five job. Yep. Um, uh, how is this reflecting in your role at work? Yeah, really good, actually. Um, when I first released the book, professionally, it's sort of opened a lot of dialogue with a lot of people in my business. Um, globally, actually, there's a lot of you know discussion, and it's a bit of a talking piece, which I always thought would come becoming an author and sort of talking to people in the business. They they you know pique their curiosity. And quite interesting, when I first rolled it out, a lot of people actually reached out to me and said, "Hey, can we actually plug you in this, or can we say that you know you actually wrote a book on leadership so that we can tell other people?" And, and within the business, quite a few people have reached out to me just to go, hey, you wrote a book on leadership, so you must know something about it. Sure. Can I have a chat with you about what you think I should do for my next role or this or mm. that? So I had a lot of um, trainees or graduates within our business actually reach out to me and ask me, you know, what do I think of them and where do I think they could go with their skill set? So for me, it's, it's given me the opportunity to do some more development with people. I love that. I love helping people and make them better. I think it's a two-way street if you think that when you give to someone – that they get everything. It's it doesn't work that way. You learn as you as you do. And yeah. I think even sometimes you, you know, the old saying, fake it, fake it to, to make, make it, it. Yeah. is sometimes you've just got to take some confidence, try something, and and you'll find your way in the end if you've got enough determination to get to that end point. So I think this book was really a great opportunity professionally to sort of give me some, uh, I guess, some tickets on my shoulder. Yeah. But it also meant that people were going to come to me and challenge those the. My, yeah, that's right. My expertise, so it was a really good opportunity. Yeah, and I'm curious about the Army Reserve because, especially in the context of what you've just said mm. about command, leadership, and management, mm. is there a part of the Army Reserve that you're attracted to specifically? Like, is it leadership or is it this idea of command? I've been fortunate, mm. as you know, I was introduced yep. to you by a friend of mine who's in the army mm. and has been for some time. And I've yep. I've been lucky enough to be at VB for uh, a few wine tasting events. Hey, and I've nice. met some of the, um, some of the, well, old majors and yeah. Mm. And it's an intriguing uh, culture mm. that sits in there. But there is this element of command still. It's even though they've retired, don't say the wrong thing while you're sitting at the table with them. Definitely. It's really important, right? So Definitely. is there an attraction to the command aspect and that's why that comes out in your vernacular or is it still leadership? Uh, and I know that's challenging, but... No, it's a, it's a really good point. Actually, I always... When I was younger, I always wanted to become a captain in the army and a captain sort of middle of the range. I don't want to offend anyone, but that's really the middle of the range. And sure. for me, I've never really thought about going beyond that. I always thought that I wanted to be somewhat close enough to the the team and, and close enough to the tools you know physically on the ground yeah but not too high up i like being on the floor and engaged and and part of something sure um so i guess there is a certain level of the command that i like the idea of you know being there and, and you know coordinating a large scale um, program or you know team but also being close enough to the team on the ground that i can actually physically still be involved and not just an influence because i think at a command level, or should I say, take a step back, at a leadership level, it's very much influence-based. Yeah. Whereas at a command level, it's very much, you know, you have a legal designation and you tell someone what to do and they do it. Yeah. Generally, 
generally i'd say yeah, maybe yeah. not in the commercial world as much but definitely in the army certainly in the army they do <laughs> absolutely you're sitting there craig okay i'm sitting there thank you <laughs> correct but i think you you bang on you know even retired guys that i talk to when i find out they are in the army i have a very high respect for these guys and and generally i call them sir and sometimes these guys say to me you know my name's such and such don't call me that but sure i always try to extend that uh, level of respect and i think that comes from a command but also you can sort of tell from someone quite quickly who they are you know first impressions generally have a pretty good i guess fix on people sometimes yeah. they change and you don't get someone right sure um, but i think when you talk to someone you can sort of understand are they do they have leadership qualities so if you talk to someone who's in a position of command yeah you'll understand pretty quickly if they're just a commander and a manager or if they're a commander and they've got the leadership and you can see how people interact around them which is to your point about some of these guys that are retired some people probably still call them boss, which is a term I've heard a lot of people say. If you call someone boss, it's because you highly respect them as compared to sir. Sometimes, yeah, right. you know, Interesting. Different demographics. Yeah, different interesting. People. I know um, I was lucky enough to meet uh, Mark Beretta from Channel 7. Uh, Channel 7? Yeah, Channel 7. Because uh, he's just joined the reserves about a year and a half ago, two years ago. So he, similar to you, mm. similar story, had been wanting to do it all his life and finally got a chance to do it. And yeah, he's in the reserves now as well. Uh, he's loving it. He's really enjoying it. So, Can't wait. Yeah, so I'm sure you'll come across, Mark, at some point. A lovely guy. A lovely guy. So talk to me about the book more and some of the, some of the key things for you. When, you. when you think about this book, the 264 pages, what are some of the key things that you think leaders should be aware of if they want to be leaders and not just managers? Definitely. Um, I think you know, one of the, the biggest ones is to be the greatest representation of yourself even when no one is watching. So maybe I'll say that again is to be the best version of yourself even when no one is watching. So, what, Sorry, I'm yeah, going to interrupt. Course, the only reason course, I, read, I could easily mock that <laughs> because course. it's used over and over again. It's, yep. it's overstated that, that statement, right? Yep. And so what does that mean really? What does it really mean to be the best version of yourself? Because we screw up. Mm. at times oh, yeah. in front of people and behind closed doors yeah. so what does that really mean do you think i think it's also on the point where you say people screw up is actually taking ownership uh, and a big part of leadership is ownership you yeah. know uh, if someone's in a position of management or something like that they might you know oh it was this or yeah i run out of time and so therefore this or you know there's all these excuses but if you just take ownership people actually go thanks i understand that you've realized what you've done wrong move on yeah but when you start creating all these uh, excuses and things that's when you start to go down that rabbit hole yeah. and I think a part of that is um, you know the way I actually see it in my head is if no one's around and the lights go green then you go across yeah but if the lights are red and no one's around would you just drive through those red lights and definitely it's overused and I think <laughs> yeah you're looking like maybe I would maybe I, not on a push by <laughs> it's Sunday morning at 6 o'clock and there's nothing around no speed cameras I go nothing like a, that. in the car no <laughs> on a push bike I do that's a different story maybe yeah. <laughs> but I think I think it's key item because even when you think no one is watching there might be someone watching and I think that's the key moment you might look around and think well the way in which I'm talking to this team member it's just a one on one and no one else is going to realise yeah but when that person talks to other people and then that other individual talks to someone else, they start to form a picture of, hey, maybe this person's different one-on-one -on -one as compared to they are in a nice public forum. So that's sort of what I'm trying to get to. Yeah, that's an interesting one. And this is not about me, this podcast, but one of the things that actually came to mind before interviewing today was 
uh, I remember when I was in a leadership role or a senior role, mm -hmm. uh, I was heading up the similar industry actually, I was working for UPS oh, there you and, go. Uh, and I was the call centre manager there and, uh, and it was really intriguing, we'd go out socially on Thursday night drinks over the Sheridan and uh, Ascot there and people, there was one or two people who said to me, Craig, why are you so nice when we're out socially but you're a pain in the backside essentially mm. uh, and I couldn't get that, that medium, I couldn't get that, yeah. I guess the true person that I, I had this one hat in the in the office and one hat out and they were they were misaligned yeah um and so it's an intriguing space to be in it's right is how do you and again a word that's overused how do you become authentic to you and your values as a leader as a manager as a commander i guess right that's a sorry yeah go i was gonna say that is actually a really cool point and it's actually something i think of in, in and it's in my book actually not a product place but um, when I first started as a manager, um, I was appointed as a manager in a, in a uh, I would say, medium-sized business. It's quite young. I think I was 19 years old, and I took on a team of about 20, 30 people, um, dangerous goods operation. And all the guys were in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and I was their boss overnight. Um, we had a lot of turnover, and my MD said, you're it, make it happen. And he flew back to Queensland. I was like, okay, uh, let's have a go. Yeah, Why not? yeah. And I remember... Before that, we were all, like, all colleagues. We'd go out for drinks, you know, do all that social thing. And then the next day, I changed my mindset and became their boss. And it was really challenging. There's a lot of friction because I said, well, as a manager, this is how I must now act because I've seen it in the past. So this is how I believe I have to be. And, and that, as you said, that balance, very, very hard. It was, a, it was a very challenging five years for me. Especially with older people. You know, just I don't mean older people, but that yeah. age difference. Yeah. Who feel like they've got a lot more experience, and mm. uh, yeah, maybe even um, more, they might be more wise about decisions. But I think yeah. they've also got a bit slacker as well in, mm. in some of the stuff they do as well. So um, yeah, that's that's a tough one. I think um, what I learned, uh, you know, you don't just do it overnight. I, it took me quite a bit of time, but I learned you got to take people along for the journey, and you've got to actually leverage their experience and and their personality because when you bring them part of the journey and you actually ask them, hey, would this work? They own the process. So they become a, a, a part owner of a process. So in my now job and what I do, will do for the rest of my life is when I want to roll something out and I've got to hand it over to someone, I make sure they're part of that journey so they own it. So when it gets to a point where someone challenges the concept or whatever it might be, yeah, they actually step in and defend it and say, no, 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 we've gone through this. This is how it's going to work. And you can sort of step back and go, wow, this is really good. But to get to that point, you've got to bring them along for the journey. You've got to leverage their experience and actually ask them that question. It goes back to your authenticity. As a manager or leader, you don't know all the answers. You've got to sort of work your way through it. But that's why you've got to refer to these people who have that expertise. I remember, I remember years ago uh, delivering train the trainer programs and, and there was a piece of material that was... Um, you wear the hat of a trainer, you wear the hat of a facilitator, and you wear the hat of a... I think it was a director, almost. Mm. And I'm sensing that right now, that as a leader, in inverted commas, pardon me, you, you do have to be a commander at times. Mm. And at times you have to be a leader, and other times you do have to manage it. I, I'm not sure that it is just single uh, roles, per se. Mm. I think they actually blend or you you move up and down in each of these areas what, what's your thoughts on that 
and definitely, and it comes back to that that dichotomy, as you mentioned before, about the personal compared to the the professional. I know I've had environments where I've had a team and they've seen me out in the social side, and they go, "Who are you?" Yeah, yeah. And I think it's that flexible leadership and management and command is you might be in a position of authority by you know, by the company or by a legal authority, but then sometimes you've got to draw the line and follow those guidelines of management. But then other times when maybe the troops or the people in the team are really, you know, aren't snowed under or there's a lot of pressure, you've got to sort of pull that passion out again and, and rise above the, the challenges it may be and put on that positive attitude and sort of bring them through. Even, yeah, sometimes you need to sort of draw from all those sources. It isn't one set area. Yeah. But you do see, and even in my industry, you see some people that sit in those channels and they're robots and they don't get what they need, but people who sort of have the ability to jump across the three channels yeah. have a lot more opportunity to be flexible. There is that that saying, and I think we've said it in a podcast before, but that you know most people don't leave a business, they leave a manager or they leave a leader. That's the main reason why they leave. Wow, it is... Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if you can hear this on the on the recording, but it is absolutely throwing down rain outside oh, yeah. right now. It's crazy times. <laughs> Tell us more about some of the key things in your book for you. What, what are some of the things that you really like about this book as far as uh, content that's, yeah. that would be helpful for leaders that are listening? Yeah, definitely. Um, look, it takes a lot of just standard life experiences. Um, you know, you can read some books from the commandos and some guys that have been through some huge things in their lives. For me, I haven't had, I wouldn't say, the most drastic events happen in my life, so I can't say I was under fire and... You know, jumping out of helicopters and things like that maybe later on in life sure but right now i think i just take a common sense approach to things that probably quite transferable to other people you know promotions and taking on a manager's position um you know some things outside of work in your social life but nothing really hugely drastic so i've been very fortunate touch wood that life's been pretty good to me yeah and i think my book just takes a very common sense approach to a pretty I don't want to say an average life that makes me feel quite uh, mundane but quite an average sort of balanced life I've had yeah. I had to make decisions that have sort of changed my tra- trajectory in my life substantially um, but I think throughout my book I sort of explore how I came to those decisions so you know what is it five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years later I sort of look back and I went through a memory or a moment in my life and I said why did I make that decision so when I used to live down in Shell Harbour, I had a good, and then I moved 100 kilometres away to Sydney and you know, changed my life, uprooted everything. Um, and I just sort of go through the thought process of why I got to that point and what I got out of it and would I look back and change things? No. Um, and I guess that's what I go through in the book. So just a very common sense approach and you yeah. know, just I think it's quite relatable to other people. And what have you, what have you noticed yourself around leadership through... Probably one of the toughest eras that I've ever experienced um, is, is COVID. Mm. Um, I know some leaders really stepped up mm. uh, and became incredibly empathic or empathetic of their staff. Uh, what have you noticed in that space? I think, so I've got a, a saying here that I want to sort of say, sure. and this is probably re- representative of this, but... I like this saying by um, Dag Hammarskjöld, which is, if you want your garden to flourish, don't reserve a plot for weeds. I think that comes down to positivity. Um, Like I mentioned before, life has its ups and downs, and and COVID's been a great example of a lot of downs. Mm. But also on the back of that, there's a lot of goods too. Um, Being selfish myself, I got to see my daughter grow up, so I got to see other things. And I think it's that positive side. Um, 
it's hard if you're losing your job and things like that. Yeah. But we live in a pretty good country, and I don't want to go into the pol political sure, side, sure, but sure. we live in a pretty good country that it's not been super, super bad as compared to maybe overseas. And I think perspective is important. And I think um, for leadership, it's about not reserving a plot for weeds in your life. You know, try and focus on the positives in your life because if you start to focus on those negatives, that plot of weeds starts to grow out. Mm. In the world, there's so much to look at that's bad. You know, there's so many bad things that happen everywhere, yeah. even in Australia. But I guess it's the uh, old serenity prayer, you know, really focus on the things that you can control, control and try and, yeah, understand the bad things are out there, but try your best to control what you can within your own life. Mm. That's probably my biggest point is, is positivity. And, you know, I sort of got heavy into Tony Robbins and... Um, uh, quite a few of the, the motivational speakers sure. or energizers yeah and i found that you know that was their core message is to really focus on the good in your life understand the bad you know hope for the best prepare for the worst sometimes yeah but i think the big thing is positivity getting through covid required a lot of positivity it's actually it's funny that you mentioned tony because tony has a similar saying to that which is um it's no point being positive if you're looking at your garden and and there's all weeds in it, mm. and he's close your eyes, and he says, there are no weeds, there are no weeds, no weeds. So you open your eyes, but there's still bloody weeds. It's like, get rid of the weeds, like, as, as his analogy on it. So it's not just about being positive per se. It's like you yeah. still have to action stuff. You still have to do stuff mm. to get rid of those weeds or, or not reserve a, a section for weeds, right? So um, if, you were, if you were mentoring somebody yep. that was coming through a young leader, 27, 28, you know, we've probably learned from our own mistakes. Mm. Uh, authenticity being one for me, or being aligned. Well, what would be some two or three tips that you would give, give a, new, a new leader coming through the ranks? A yeah. ranks, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, no I, pun on the army. I, 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 get, I get the point. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think uh, a big one is knowing your values. So probably mm. a lot of people don't know what their values are. You know, they don't, they don't necessarily, they might, sorry, they might, intangibly no but i think an important thing and again product placement i put in my book there's some exercises there to actually go through and write down what your values are so you know what what do they represent in your life because mm. your core is your values and you probably bestowed them by your parents you probably just don't know and you're just living by them so i think it's really good to take stock and write down your values and understand what they are and how they because they guide your life Oh, there we go. Frivolous, <laughs> fun, ambitious activity, lifelong learning, real relationships and clever conversations. There you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So, and, and that's a key point. I think people find out their values too late in life. Same as myself. I you know, started to learn my values maybe 10 years after I probably should have had them very clearly up front. Um, also knowing your value proposition. So what are you good at? Um, yeah. You know, people sort of go into a role because, oh, it's a good position. Mm. Why is it a good position? It might be great for someone else, but it not, might not be great for yourself. And I see a lot of people, even myself, I went into a role going, this role is going to be great. And I got into it and it wasn't what I wanted because it, maybe it was too hands off. Yeah. And it was sort of just sort of sitting there looking at things happen. And I thought, this is, not, this is not who I am. So I think your value proposition and your values as a person is key. Yeah. And goals. I'm, I'm huge on goal setting, smart, met TC, all these sort of, um, goal setting programs but knowing what you want is something most people don't write down so mm -hmm. what do you want in 12 months what do you want in five years what do you want in 10 years what do you want when you retire maybe that's too far but your vision 
it may be blurry, but you've got to understand where you want to be mm. because that guides your life. And I talk to, I have actually talked to quite a few people about this and I've mentored quite a few people through the ranks in multiple businesses. Um, and these are, I've got more, but the three, I guess, is this is what I try to focus on sure. is where do you want to be in 20 years? Because some people go, oh, well, I want this. And I go, is what you're doing now fueling that? Maybe financially, yeah, great. And then you can do something outside. So different avenues. But sometimes someone's in a role, they go, yeah, but in five years, I'll be happy. Why don't you try to be happy now and find mm. what's going to make you happy now? Mm. So that that's probably a key one, the, the key, three key points, I'd it's, say. It's interesting because I think there is, it's an awful thing to say, I guess, but I think greed does guide us sometimes because we see a role and it's this amount of money and it's more money than what this role was mm. and we get attracted by the dollar and we try and look at this role as best as we can to move forward yep. and think it's a, a step up and it may be and the money, but I think you've got to look at it, you're right, and how does this um, uh, help me progress to those goals or those things that I want to aim for in the next two years, five years, 10 years, mm. uh, 15 years. It is kind of writing a eulogy and working backwards, isn't it, a little bit? Definitely, and I think to your point is looking at those roles and saying it's worth this amount of money. Is that money going to get you what you want outside of life, or outside of work maybe? You know, you've got to sort of weigh up all these things. It's not just about the dollars, it's about what it gives you. But I think the other thing to consider is the more you get, the more you spend. And I found that as I've gone up, I've always gone, why have I got less money? Or I've got the same money as I've always had because you can buy different things. You mm. can say, I need a new car because that car is the but one that that's But that car's needed. a $10,000 more expensive car than what yeah. you would have bought last time, right? Yeah. Or $15,000 car. It's a bit like through COVID, people's bank accounts rose because mm. they couldn't spend anything. Mm. They couldn't go anywhere. It's like... How come I've got this cash? Yeah. yeah. It's like, this is good. Yeah. So, you know, COVID had, did have a, a, well, still has a benefit, I guess, in some some respect. Although Amazon got to work out in our house. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everybody like that Ooh. one really well. Amazon got a, a massive workout. What are, you, what are you hoping to share with the world with these four books? Mm. That's a really good question. Uh, look, I think I want people to learn and... and I, I guess being selfish, I'd love people to come to me and say, hey, like, that's actually helped me become a better person. Or, you know, I've referenced you and I've taken a bit of what you've explained and I've put it with someone else and someone else and someone else, but it's come together to make me a better person. Yeah. I don't think someone's going to read my book specifically and become a, a cult follower. I'm, I'm not as good as Tony Robbins, I would <laughs> say, but, and that's not my core focus in life. It's a large focus in my life, but, you know, I have multiple strands in my life so I guess from my perspective I just want people if they read it and hear me and talk to me to get something out of that interaction because you know a big thing I say leadership is it's serving over being serviced so you know I think sometimes people think if I'm a leader I sort of sit there and people carry me around and you know you see those nice pictures where it shows you a leader is at the front of the pack pulling mm -hmm. everyone with them mm -hmm. and that's the way I like to see myself i you know, I take ownership of a lot of things. I do a lot of things. And generally, I try to be at the forefront of what I do and be the best that I can. And I don't step on people to get higher. And that's the principle I teach my daughter and I'm sure my next children. Yeah. Who knows how many. But <laughs> my big focus is compete, but never compete to the point where you pull someone else down. Yeah. Compete to be the best version of yourself, yeah. um, but never pull anyone else down. And that's the big part I want to teach people in life is 
if you want a better position and you want to go higher, that's great. But make sure you bring people along for the journey with you. Yeah. Because if you start to push people down, it's a negative sort of leadership style. Yeah, I, I remember my first boss he used to say, Bulma, drag your greasy guts down here. <laughs> and it was like, it was an interesting leadership style. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but I've remembered it ever since. And that's 40, 40 years down the track. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? There was a part of that was... I was not second guessing anything. I knew I'd done something wrong mm -hmm. and I knew where I was at and he'd just tell me what it was at and where it was at or what was wrong and you'd move on and you'd learn from it. And so whilst people wouldn't say that's the greatest method, geez, it worked because mm. I think it was authentic. It was him. Yep. He didn't essentially BS. He didn't, you know, beat around the bush mm. and you knew exactly what it was. Okay, it might have been more commando, uh, command style, <laughs> not commando, <laughs> command style. But yeah, I don't, I don't think it had a negative effect on me at all. Yeah, I don't think it did. Maybe I took that into my roles. Mm. Uh, I think that, you know, that's a really cool point too because leadership is, has to be flexible because everyone's different. Yeah. We live in different worlds, we have different languages, we have different interpretations. You know, what, I think- Different belief systems. Or exactly different metric and um, the old, what is it, the metric and the, trying to remember the old system. Uh, we've got the metric system and the, American oh, the imperial system. The imperial system, yeah, yeah. sorry, showing my age. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, we have different interpretations across the board. So someone like that who is a straight shooter might not work for some other people because they might go, hey, this is too much. So mm. that every single leader and every single book has a different interpretation. That's why there's millions of books on communication, leadership, same as raising a child. I thought there must be one central book for how to raise a child. Oh, no. There's millions. <laughs> <laughs> that's not yeah don't go there and if you don't read a book there'll be plenty of people will tell you how to raise a child so don't worry about that exactly it doesn't matter you've, you've got experts everywhere <laughs> exactly right so mate thank you for your time um well done on writing this book thank you very and, much and writing the uh, the others and, and also giving up your your time to come down and have a chat um it's the first one we've been able to do face to face for a while because of yeah, covid yeah. so it's nice that you're in the in the Shire. Yep. Uh, I hope it goes well for you and I hope that people do get what you want out of it, which yep. is, you know, get some learnings or it's changed the way they think about something. Mm. Um, it's, where is it available? Where are we saying this is available, the book? Uh, physically, I've got many copies sitting in my basement available to go, but <laughs> there is copies on Amazon, Booktopia, Fishpond, oh, all the main outlets. All those. And so it's, it's available as a, um, is it available as audio? Or just uh, no, the... it is all. It's oh no, sorry, it's not audio. It's um, Kindle or um, yes. ebook yep. as well as um, a physical copy. Yeah, probably audio book. It's been something I've wanted to do. I just haven't had the opportunity to put it in yet. Yeah, it's a, that's a long. I've got another client who's done that. It's a long process. Is it? Yeah, oh yeah, it's a very long process. Mate, thanks again for your time. Really appreciate it, and I hope that uh, our audience today's got a, a little bit extra about uh, what it, what it takes to be a leader. But I think what, for me, what you've added is that that other dimension about command. I think that's a really intriguing space because I think we might be leaders, mm -hmm. but we're actually operating out of a command mentality. And I think if we don't get that right, yeah. I think you're gonna lose staff and staff will go, go elsewhere. So, well, well done, thanks really very much. Appreciate it. Thanks Craig, thanks Pleasure. for your time.